This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman. Brought to you by Decisions in Dentistry and the Academy of Dental CPAs. Whether it's taxes, investing, or planning wisely, Art is your guide to make your dental practice as profitable as possible. Here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. I am Art Wiederman. I'm a dental CPA located in Southern California and a proud member of the Academy of Dental CPAs, which is 24 CPA firms across the United States, which represent well over 9,000 dentists. And I'm talking to you today from my uh, home studio here in Southern California on uh, Sunday afternoon, June the 7th. So uh, we're getting close to two months being uh, into the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, we know that the majority of dental offices in the United States uh, either have opened or are about to open. Many of my clients' offices opened um, last Monday, June 1st. Uh, as I mentioned in our last podcast, I'm hearing really, really good results. Uh, I'm hearing a lot of my doctors telling me, that they're doing well, they're seeing a lot of uh, patients, the demand is good, we're not getting as many patients who are saying, nah, I don't want to come into the dental office, I'm really not ready yet, as we thought we might, um, and I just think that as as we get further into this, and as all of you adapt to the way you're going to have to practice uh, until we have a uh, a vaccine for this and we can go back to hopefully at or near the way we were before March 15th, uh, you're all adapting and hopefully uh, you'll get a little faster and a little more efficient and your patients will start to come back in. We, we are seeing a lot of signs of the economy opening up here in Southern California. I've been out and about. Uh, we've been to a couple of restaurants, my wife Lynn and I, um, and and people seem to be getting back into some sort of a routine uh, other than the fact that you can't go to a movie, uh, you can't go to a sporting event, uh, you can't have big gatherings, um, you know, social gatherings uh, like we're used to, like weddings or uh, you know things like that. Uh, but that too will come. So today we are going to celebrate, yay, um, yay, because of the fact that we have a new law. And this podcast will probably be the last one for now, I say for now, that focuses on uh, the Paycheck Protection Act, uh, the Paycheck Protection Program, the PPP. Uh, now we have the PPFA, uh, the Payroll Protection Flexibility Act. I, I just love the names they come up with. Um, it was signed by President Trump two days ago, Friday morning. June 5th in Washington, D.C., and this podcast, we're going to walk you through all the rules, what you need to know. It's good news, folks. It's really, really good news. It's going to make uh, the forgiveness of this loan a lot easier. Uh, there's still a lot of questions, which we're going to bring up to you, uh, but it's also going to allow you to use this money to bring your people back as you need to bring them back. But before we get into that, 
Uh, let me give you some information. If you want to get a hold of me at my office in Tustin, uh, my office number is 714-505-9000. Uh, just ask for Art Wiederman. I'm still working working at home, and uh, the, the calls will come right through to my computer, and I've taken a lot of your phone calls. I've answered hundreds of your emails. Uh, keep them coming. I, I am very happy to help anybody who needs help. Um, who can't get answers. We've gotten a lot of emails from people who have said, you know, Art, my, my CPA doesn't know how this works, and I just don't know what to do. Can you answer my questions? And I've done that for, again, hundreds and hundreds of dentists. Literally, I am not exaggerating. Uh, we, we get we get lots of emails. So please email me at artweederman at gmail.com. Um, go to our website, which is www.hmwccpa.com, and all the podcasts are there. All uh, We're now approaching 80 of them, and um, I'm just thrilled at how this podcast has exploded in popularity. Thousands of people listening to it every week. Uh, I am I am blessed and honored and humbled by all of you who are who are listening and and hopefully this information has been helpful to many of you. Uh, go to our um, partner, our great partner, Decisions in Dentistry, um, www.decisionsindentistry.com. Uh, they have great clinical content. They have great continuing education courses, uh, lots and lots of resources during this very, very challenging time, uh, for all of us, uh, and all of our podcasts are there. Also, if you would like to be on our mailing list for our CPA firm, you can check a box there. And if you would like to get a complimentary 30 minute consultation, on this PPP stuff, on uh, you know what the weather's going to be tomorrow. I mean, we'll 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 consult with you on anything. Uh, if you're looking for a 30 minute complimentary consultation from a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs, and we're all absolutely willing to help, um, you can check that box. And if you're not working with a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs with a dental specific CPA. Uh, we have 24 of the best dental CPA firms around uh, that represent, as I said, over 9,000 dentists, www.adcpa.org. Uh, if you're not sure who to call, send me an email and say, Art, I want to connect with somebody, and I will connect you to the person in your area. All right, so let's get into this. They passed a new law, the Paycheck Protection Flexibility Act, H.R. 7010, signed by President Trump on Friday, June 5th. So let's take a step back and do a little history here and talk about how did this all begin. Uh, I know most of you are pretty familiar, but some of you may not be. So I just want to kind of give you a 35,000-foot overview of how we got to where we are today, and then I'm going to walk you through every single step of this new law. So back on March 15th, March 16th, it became evident that uh, the COVID-19 virus was real. It was starting to spread, and the decisions were made by the authorities that we needed to shut down our country's economy pretty darn quickly, and that's what happened. Dental offices in the United States shut down the week of March 15th, and uh, most businesses shut down, and we kind of began to stay at home. And uh, as this happened, Congress took action because they saw where this was going. And on March 27th, they passed the CARES Act, a $2.2 trillion um, 
Economic Stimulus and Relief Package, of which $349 billion went to a program called the Paycheck Protection Program under Section 7A of the SBA uh, rules. And this provided these loans to small businesses of under 500 people. Uh, and it allowed you, if you took this money and you put your people back on payroll uh, over an eight-week period, and that's real important, eight weeks, uh, you put them in, back on payroll over eight weeks. And after eight weeks, if you paid them all and you used at least 75% of the money uh, for payroll costs, and those payroll costs um, qualified, which pretty much anything you pay to employees for the most part, uh, and you had the same number of full-time employees on June 30th as you had on February 15th, and everybody was back to their same salary or hourly wage, and you met some rules, then the government was going to say, we loaned you 100, the bank loaned you $100,000, you don't have to pay it back. And that's what everybody was focused on, was the forgiveness part of all this. And that's what we worked on. And we told you, we said, if you are looking as your number one objective to get forgiveness of this money, this is what you have to do. But think about building a war chest. Think about, do you need to use this money to keep you going after eight weeks? And again, everybody made their decisions, but we gave you the options. And the government, when they wrote this law, they basically thought that this was going to be an eight-week situation. We were going to go ahead. Everybody's going to stay at home for eight weeks. The the COVID-19 virus would dry up, go away, never to be seen again. And after eight weeks, everybody was going to come out of their homes, go back to work, go back to football and basketball games and baseball games, um, and everything was going to be normal. Well, guess what? It didn't quite work out that way. Uh, let's fast forward through lots of regulations. I'm not going to bore you with all the rules, but the government basically didn't quite get it right. Small businesses started to say, hey, you know what? If you give me this money now, my business is closed down. I'm shut down. I'm not shut down because I want to be. I'm shut down because the governor of California, the county of Los Angeles, um, the city of Santa Ana, California said, I can't open my business. So I can't. So if you make me pay my employees uh, this money, I, I don't need it now. I need it when you let me open. I need it as we start opening slowly when I may not be making a profit. And the government also decided to add $600 a week to everybody's unemployment check. So what the government didn't want you to do was to uh, let people stay on unemployment for a bunch of time. And then at the end, put them back on payroll and give them all this money so that you double dipped. That's not what they wanted. They wanted you to get them off of payroll today. And the employees were saying, wait a minute, I, I'm willing to work, but I don't want to come off of unemployment. I'm making more money on unemployment. My husband or my wife or you know significant other, they're out of work. I need this money. I don't want to come back to work and just because you want this forgiveness. That's not fair. So about three or four weeks ago, um, lot probably longer than that, lots of trade groups, including the people at the American Dental Association, started yelling and screaming at the Congress, the Treasury, and the White House and said, guys, you don't get it. You're not listening to us. We need more time. This is not going to change overnight. 
eight weeks is not enough to spend 75% of this. If you're a restaurant and you're not open and you may not be open for eight weeks, there's no way you can spend 75% just to stock up on people for takeout. That that just is not realistic. Dental office, what are you going to pay? 75% of your team to, to cover emergencies? I don't think so. So this evolved, and then uh, about a week and a half ago, they passed this bill, the Paycheck Protection Flexibility Act, which is what I'm going to go over with you in great detail on this podcast. And uh, it basically did a bunch of things. And then the Senate passed a bill. That that was a House bill, H.R. 7010. Usually the way it works is the House passes a bill, the Senate passes a bill. Then the House and the Senate get together, they talk about it, and they decide Well, you know, what are we going to do? And they come to an agreement. They go vote on it again. And the president says, yeah, I'm good. He signs it and we have a law. Well, that didn't quite happen here because they knew that the first week of June, remember that this program started April 3rd. Uh, They started doling money out about, I'll bet you the earliest that people got money was probably April 15th. So now you're at June. Well, today's June 7th. That's six to seven weeks into this thing, folks. And the problem was, is the eight-week period was up. They had to do something because if they did nothing, people would end up not getting forgiveness and you'd have a lot of people that were angry. And you might have heard there's going to be an election on November 3rd and politicians don't like angry taxpayers. So they passed this bill in the House and then the Senate was going to vote on their bill last Monday. Uh, but then, uh, as I've been telling you, I've been working very closely with Megan Mortimer, who's the congressional lobbyist for the American Dental Association, a phenomenal young woman who has been of incredible help to the Academy of Dental CPAs and to all dentists across America, uh, as well as her boss, Michael Graham, and, and all the people at the American Dental Association who are fighting to do lots of different things. And Megan's job was be has been to focus on this PPP legislation and to go to Congress. And uh, the Academy of Dental CPAs has been working hand-in-hand hand with the American Dental Association. You can go onto the ADA's website and find a fact sheet that is co-authored by the ADA and the AICPA, uh, ADCPA, the Academy of Dental CPAs. Um, we have, um, uh, we have helped many of our members. Uh, I'll do a shout out to my good buddy in, uh, uh, in Baton Rouge, Robbie Apple and his team put the, put the initial fact sheet together. And several of us, including our president, Alan Schiff, and I have been helping Megan edit, edit it as it's gone along. But, um, you know, it, it, it's been great, the partnership with the, um, with the ADA. And so, you know, Megan's been going to Congress with all this, uh, all this stuff. And she uh, she basically uh, emailed me on Monday morning and said, "Art uh, looks like the you know the Senate's gonna uh, maybe vote on this." But then she emailed me and she said, "No, no, no, the Senate's gonna pass the House bill as is." And we got to Wednesday, and that was uh, three days ago or four days ago. And on Wednesday, what happened was was that uh, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. Uh, who, according to Megan, has been a, a great advocate for dentistry. Um, he just said, you know, I, I, I get it, and I know we got to do something, but I'm just a little concerned about all the oversight that we need if we just pass something and make it a lot easier. 
And I, I guess, uh, you know, as they do in Washington, they horse trade and they came up with some agreements as to, you know, down the road with the next stimulus act, uh, uh, to make Mr. Johnson feel a little better. They're going to, they're going to look at this a little more closely and they might put some more, uh, oversight rules in. But the bottom line is on Wednesday late afternoon. And I was giving a webinar to a dental society at 530 California time. And at four o'clock, Megan texts me and says, Art, the Senate passed the bill. The president's going to sign it. I said, great. So I had to stop what I was doing, redo my PowerPoint for the presentation. I got it done and we gave the presentation. So we now, and, and then President Trump signed this on the 5th of June. So let's go through all of the provisions of the Paycheck Protection Flexibility Act because it's going to make everything different and it's, it, it's going to be good for all of you. Okay. Let's start off with the eight week rule. You uh, you had eight weeks to spend this money, okay? You no longer have eight weeks. You now have 24 weeks from the date that you got this money. So let's say you got this money uh, on May 1st. I did the math. So on May 1st, you get the money. Your covered period now ends on October 16th. So you have... From May 1st until October 16th to spend this money. And that's huge because some of you have been spending it the way we've been talking about. And if you've been doing that, you're probably going to now have your dental teams back. And you don't have to rush to get, as it was, 75% of the money spent by the end of eight weeks. You now can use this money for what you need to. In other words, if you're thinking, you know, I've got I've got two people in the front, two people in the back and two full-time hygienists in my practice. And you know, based on patient flow, I'm really doing well. We're we're up 60, 70% of where we were before. We're pushing higher. The book is starting to fill up. We're really getting used to how to manage this uh, PPE equipment and changing out the rooms and sanitation and, and, and social distancing. We're getting this down. So I'm really optimistic, but we're not quite ready to bring back the second hygienist or the second assistant. So you beforehand, you would have to do that. You'd have to pay them to be not working because you wouldn't be able to get the forgiveness if you didn't. Well, now you can. You've got 24 weeks uh, to do this. Okay. So, so you've got more time to spend this money. So that's really, really important. Your office is opening. You can now spend this money uh, for the best part of your business. Okay. So let's talk about the next rule. Remember, we were talking about that you needed to spend 75% of this money on payroll costs. Well, that has changed now. You have to spend 60% of this money on payroll costs in order to get forgiveness. But there's a major caveat in this that, that we believe is, is going to be in the Treasury's regulations. Senator Rubio has said it's going to be in the regulations, and everything I've read has said it's going to be in the regulations. So before, if you spent, uh, you had 75% of your, uh, money that you needed to spend on payroll. And let's say you only spent, um, you know, 80% of that amount, which is, um, uh, you know, say, say you spent 60%. So only 80% of the money, uh, you only met 80% of the 75% roll. Um, well, you would then lose 20% forgiveness. Basically, it's a complicated calculation, but that's how it worked. 
Well, now, if you don't spend 60% of the money on payroll in the 24 weeks, you get zero forgiveness. Uh, zero, zilch, none, nada. You don't get any. But the good news with that, folks, is that this is a math calculation, and I'm going to walk you through why it's a non-issue. So let's take an example, and let's start by saying that when you applied for this loan back in March or early April, um, actually back in early April when you applied for this loan, um, you were applying based on two and a half times your average monthly payroll cost. So let's take an example. If you have a dental practice that was grossing a million dollars a year, your payroll costs were 400000 which includes 100000 for the owner, because remember, the owner is limited to twenty uh, to um, uh, 100000 of compensation, or any employee is, a, is limited to $100,000 of compensation. So 300000 for payroll costs, which is about right, 20%, uh, 18 to 20% for staff salaries, and oh, anywhere between 6 and 10% for hygiene, depending on your hygiene program. So say 30%, 300,000 for payroll for your team, 100,000 for you as the owner. So you were going to go ahead and apply for two and a half times that. Plus, you took, you know, your, your pension contribution, say $50,000, your health insurance, 30,000. So let's make the numbers easy for art because it is a Sunday. Um, $480,000. So that was your payroll cost. You divide about by 12, you got $40,000 per month. So you got two and a half times that number. So your loan was $100,000. So let's say you got your PPP loan on May 1st. Very real situation. You now have 24 weeks from May 1st, which is October 16th, as I said earlier. So let's say you didn't open your dental office until June 1st, which is, again, very real. Some of you opened before June 1st. Some of you open will be opening now, maybe this Monday, maybe next Monday, maybe in a couple of weeks. Uh, a lot of reasons why you wouldn't open, a lot of reasons why you would open, but a lot of people are open now. So what that does, folks, is if you're at June 1st and you haven't, say you haven't spent any of this money and now you've got until October 16th, that's four and a half months to spend this money, right? So if your monthly payroll is $40,000 and say you brought everybody back, well, 40,000 times four and a half months is $180,000. That's how much you're going to spend on payroll. How much do you need to spend on payroll to get full forgiveness of your $100,000 loan? $60,000. So if you bring your entire team back on June 1, and for the next four and a half months you pay them, that means that you'll pay $180,000 in payroll, which is three times what you need to pay. So this becomes a very simple math problem that means that meeting the 60% requirement Unless you either open your dental office and you do everything all by yourself, or you don't open your dental office for several months, which is unlikely, uh, this becomes a non-issue. So the 60% rule is important, um, and that's what we are looking at. So you have 60% of payroll costs. If you're under 60%, you're at zero. And remember, included in that 60%, that 60000 you get $15,385, which is another question we'll talk about at the end when we talk about what questions are not answered. 
Okay, now, so so remember, there's three ways you lose forgiveness. Number one, if you don't pay 60% of the money in payroll costs. Well, we just talked about the fact that you will be doing that. You will pay 60%. There's very unlikely that you will not meet that rule. Number two is the full-time equivalence rule. And that rule says that in order to get, and again, this is before the, the Payroll Protection Flexibility Act was passed on Friday, said that as long as you have the same number of full-time equivalent employees as you had during some testing periods, during your covered period, or you have the same number of full-time em- em- equivalent employees on June 30th that you had on February 15th, then you're good to go. You pass that test and there's no reduction for that. Well, they've changed that. So now instead of June 30th, you have until December 31st to hire everybody back. And that's huge because that gives us time to really make sure our business is ramped up. Now you must make sure, you must make sure that you keep track of that date. However, here in a moment, I'm going to tell you why this second test is probably also a non-issue. So you now have until April, I'm sorry, December 31st to hire everybody back. And by the way, I want to go back to one other thing on the 24 weeks. If you want to only use an eight-week period for forgiveness, maybe you've got everybody hired back now, but you're really not sure where you're going to be in December. You can apply for, and you've spent all the money in the eight weeks. You can apply for forgiveness. Now, I don't know when the banks are going to be ready for this. They may not be ready. They may say, no, we can't take this. But you can apply and and close your period out in eight weeks. So that is something you can do. Um, And we'll talk a little bit about that later. So now we have this FTE test. So the government is figuring out that people who are running businesses are having a really tough time retaining employees, especially in professions like dentistry, where it is perceived that there is a COVID-19 health risk. People don't want to come back. People decide they want to do something else. This could be a life event for them for figuring out, well, maybe I want to do something else. Not a lot because we see most of our dental teams are coming back, but some are not. That's a That's a fact. So what they said was that if you're not able to hire back the employees, say you had eight employees on February 15th and two of them call you up and just say, you know, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not coming back. They will not be hired back. And if you do that and you can't find suitable replacements for them by December 31st, uh, which you'll probably find suitable replacements because sadly there's 40, 40 million people unemployed. There's a lot of people looking for work. So you'll find some, but is it a suitable replacement? So if you can't find suitable replacements for those eight people by December 31st, you don't have to worry about the FTE rules, having the same number of employees as you had on February 15th. That's probably unlikely because you know, you're going to, you're going to show that you documented, you tried to find people, but you couldn't. How are they going to document that? I don't know. But here's where you're going to get out of this second test. Remember, 60% of of payroll, full-time employees. That's the second test. And we'll talk about the third test in a second that reduces forgiveness. 
So what the act said is that basically if your dental practice is unable to, and I will quote, to return to the same level of business activity that you basically had on the 15th of February, in order to comply with the guidances issued, you can ignore this. So what does that mean? So it talks about the fact that entities such as uh, the Department of Health and Human Services, if, if they have put out rules, Department of Health and Human Services, the CDC, and OSHA, Center for Disease Control, Occupational Safety and Health Administration, if they issued guidelines, okay, that basically uh, made it more difficult for you to, quote, return to the same level of business activity, um, and that these levels um, uh, are required to be maintained from March 1 to December 31, relating to maintenance of standards for, quote, sanitation, social distancing, or any other worker or customer safety requirement related to COVID-19. So what they're saying is uh, that you don't have to worry about the full-time equivalent test if you can show that between March 1 and December 31, that because of Health and health and human services rules, CDC rules, OSHA rules, and because of anything having to do with standards for sanitation, social distancing, anything else that had to do with worker or customer safety requirements related to COVID nineteen, if you had to do any of that, and it and and basically your business is unable to return to the same level of business activity, you don't have to worry about this. Well, that this is this is wrapped up in a bow for dentistry. I mean, let's think about it, folks. Okay, you have rules under CDC. You have county rules. You have um, all the rules. I mean, the rules do not come from the California Dental Association or the Iowa Dental Association or the American Dental Association. They come from uh, the local counties, the the local departments of health, uh, health and safety. Uh, They come from OSHA and they come from the CDC. They are telling you that you have to social distance. They are telling you that you have to have all of this PPE. You have to have all of these things in, in, in place, uh, that, that you have to have, you have to have social distancing. So if you've got five treatment rooms that are going a hundred miles an hour, uh, you may not be able to do that. You can't do that. You've got to have the social distancing. You've got expenses. So the fact is, is that your practice, there is no dental practice in America. I don't think that is going to be able to not meet a test that says, I am unable to return to the same level of business activity that I had on February 15th because I had to comply with all these, all these guidelines and I had to do all this stuff. So I'm dying to see what the SBA comes out and says what that means. Is it going to be a mathematical example? In other words, are they going to say, if your revenues from March 1 to December 31, which is the time frame they've set, if those, you know, guide, if those revenues are less than what, 70%, 80% of what they were annualized for a year, from a year ago? Or are they going to say, well, because of the fact that we had eight team members, but now, we can't have two hygienists right next to each other because of the social distancing rules and because of the safety issues. So we've now cut back to one hygienist, which is going to reduce our revenues and it's going to reduce the number of people that we have. So that's going to be what we're dealing with. So we cannot imagine how you're not going to meet this test. 
if for some reason these folks come out with rules that basically say, no, dentists don't meet those tests, then what you need to do is to have the same number of full-time employees by December 31st, which quite frankly, we hope that's going to be the case. We hope that we're going to be getting back to some sense of normalcy by then. We may not have a vaccine. We may not have treatments for this horrible virus, but we we at least hope that people are going to be going back to the dentist regularly, getting regular treatment, and that by that time, everybody's going to figure out the best way to operate the practices. So that's the second test. So the third test, they didn't change. Remember what the third test is for forgiveness, is you cannot reduce employee salaries during the covered period by more than 25% of what it was in the first quarter. So I use this example in one of my articles, is if you had uh, uh, your front office administrator in the first quarter of the year was making eighty thousand dollars, uh, twenty thousand a quarter. So annualizes eighty thousand. But during the covered period, you didn't need her as much or him as much, uh, so that you were paying them a thousand dollars a week. So their annualized salary was fifty two thousand dollars. Well, you reduced their salary by more than twenty five percent. In fact, you reduced it by thirty five percent which is the the reduction between an $80,000 annual salary and a $52,000 annual salary. When you go through the computations, the reduction for that employee is $1,230. And that has to be done for every employee unless you meet the safe harbor, which is now not June 30th, but December 31st. So by December 31st, you have to put that person back on payroll, those people back on payroll, And those people need to be making the same amount of money, either salary or hourly wage, as they were making um, back on February 15th. And if you do that, you meet the third test. Uh, And we're just going to have to see the guidance. Now, it was interesting, as I mentioned before, and I I would love to meet meet him someday. I I, I strongly doubt that uh, Tony Nitti, who is an incredible writer, uh, he writes articles all the time for Forbes magazine. Uh, He's a CPA, a very, very smart guy, and he takes these very, very complicated topics. He puts some humor to them, and he also explains them in, in, in ways that we can all understand. Tony made a comment. In one of his articles a couple of days ago that the there is a rumor that the SBA has had 30 frequently asked questions all signed, sealed, and ready to send out to us, but they didn't put them out because they knew this new legislation was coming. And, um, you know, I wouldn't doubt that that's the case because they knew that they got to get this done. So we're still waiting. There's still a lot of questions left for this. So uh, basically those are the th- – so the bottom line is two of the three rules – are pretty much a done deal, as far as I'm concerned, unless they come up with something convoluted. And the third rule, you would still have to meet. And we're still waiting for a lot of guidance. Now, uh, if you don't get 100% forgiveness on this loan, um, it used to be that you have to pay it back over two years at 1% interest. Well, that is also now not the case. Now, this is only for new loans. So for new loans, um, you have five years. So all the new promissory notes that are going to come out for people that are going to apply for this. And by the way, if you haven't applied for a PPP loan, there's still about $125 to $135 billion left. 
And I think this money is going to go now because now that they've made it easier, I think people who have sat on the sidelines and have decided not to apply are now going to apply for this guy for this money. So if you haven't applied, you were smart in way. I mean, you guessed right is what I'm saying. And now you can apply. You've got 24 weeks. You've got these new rules. Um, but in the new loan documents, it'll be five years. If you have an old loan document, in other words, if you applied before the 5th of June and got your PPP loan, you're still at two years. So you need to go back to your bank and say, hey, bank, hey, you, you saw this new act that came out. Uh, I'd really like you to change my promissory note from two years to five years. And if they do that, it's up to them. There's nothing in the act that says they're required to um, to do that. So you'll have to talk to your bank about that. But hopefully it's a non-issue because if you do what we're talking about, you're going to get the full forgiveness. Now, you have up till 10 months after your covered period is completed to file for forgiveness. Now, you need to put this on your calendar. And don't put 10 months on your calendar. Put seven or eight months on your calendar after your forgiveness date. So let's say we're talking October 16th. So what's 10 months? October, um, that would be around August 16th, give or take, 10 months after the end of your covered period. So August 16th. So if you don't apply by August 16th, you have a loan payable at the moment over two years at five uh, at 1% interest for your entire PPP loan. And you're going to say, well, wait a minute, I, I forgot and I was busy and I didn't remember and nobody told me. You need to put it on your calendar, folks. Put it on your calendar that you need to apply for this forgiveness. And it'll be in the news and your accountants hopefully will be talking about it. And if your accountants are not talking to you about PPP and how to handle all this, please go to our website, www.adcpa.org and look up one of the members or send me an email and I'll point you to the to the members. We, we've all been living this stuff and, and stuff. So, so, so we're talking 10 months. You have 10 months. Uh, to apply for the forgiveness. And by the way, the bank's not going to call you. Bank's not going to say, hey, uh, hey, Dr. Smith, uh, remember that loan you got like a couple of hundred years ago uh, that now we got to do the forgiveness part? They're not going to call you. Because if you don't apply for forgiveness, they get paid interest on the whole thing. So there, and it's only 1%, but it's still interest, right? So we talked about the fact that you can stay with the eight-week covered period if you wanted to. Um, why would you want to do that? Maybe you're selling your practice and you want to get this done really, really quickly. Or maybe you don't think that you're going to be able to meet some of these other rules for the rest of the cover period. Maybe, maybe your area, and I'm just, I'm speculating. Maybe your area had a spike in COVID-19 and things are going to get worse, you're afraid, and you're going to have to lay some of your people off and people aren't going to go to the dentist or you're really afraid of a second wave. Well, if you've met the rules in eight weeks, you can apply for forgiveness using the eight-week period. Now, are the banks going to be ready for you to do this in the next one or two weeks? Uh, I don't know. Uh, you have to call your bank and you have to ask them about that. That's that's going to be very interesting. Um. The last thing on here, let's see, I covered eight weeks. I covered the 60%, I covered loan period, um, exemption based on employee availability, 10 months, deferral. Okay, the last one is deferral of payroll taxes. So under the CARES Act, they put in a provision that said that if you wanted to, you can, you, so, so let's go, let's go back for a second. You pay an employee $1,000, uh, in a paycheck. 
uh, that employee, you're going to withhold $62 in social security tax that they're going to pay out of their $1,000 paycheck. And you as the employer are going to pay $62, 6.2%. Well, let's say, for example, you have a uh, a million-dollar practice and your payroll is $300,000, not counting yourself. So 300000 times 6%. Uh, is about $18,000 that you would pay in employer payroll taxes. You can defer the payment of those payroll taxes. You do not have to pay them. Under the CARES Act, uh, you would pay them back 50%, no interest as I understand it, 50% at the end of 2021 and 50% at the end of 2022. So this was from uh, the beginning of the CARES Act all the way to December 31st. You could do that. So you would have you know, $18,000. You have to pay back $9,000 at the end of 2021, 9000 at the end of 2022. Uh, most advisors are not advising that you do this. It's not enough money to go get excited about. You might forget about it. You might get to the point of next year where you forget and then you have penalties and interest, which could get really bad. Um, but you were not allowed to do this under the original CARES Act if you got a PPP loan. Now you can. So if you want to do that, uh, that is a choice that you can make. So let me make some observations, and I want to talk a little bit about idle loans, and then we'll call it a podcast. Um, so, you know, at the beginning of this process, we were talking about forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. And, and yes, we do want forgiveness. This is free money from the government. Um, That's the number one priority. Now forgiveness is going to be a lot easier to come by. We have more time. So if you have spent most of this money, You've done what the government has asked you to do. The ADA, according to Megan, has actually gone to Congress and has asked Congress to give those people who spent the money right away, took everybody off of unemployment, put them on payroll, regardless of whether we had guidance and regardless of whether their business was open, to give them a tax credit. I'm not optimistic, but never say never. So, you know, uh, now, now you have an opportunity, if you haven't spent all this money, to really use it in the best possible way for your business. Plan it the way you can. Um, and again, as I said last week on the podcast, I have a six-month planning spreadsheet that is available through us. Just email it to email me and I'll get you a copy of it uh, so that you can plan out what your cash flow is going to be for uh, the next six months because it's really important, folks. This money is going to run out. Whether you spend it, you know, I mean, you got two and a half times a month's payroll. So it's not going to take you six money six months to spend this money. It's going to take you two or three months, and we're already a month to a month and a half into this. So many of you have spent most, if not all, of this money. Some of you haven't. So it's going to give you an opportunity to use it the way you need to use it. Um, here's an issue that is not a good issue. So basically, when this whole thing started, um, we were sold on this program that when you got this hundred thousand, just use a hundred thousand as an example. When you got this hundred thousand uh, dollars, it was going to be you get the money. It's a loan, and it's going to be forgiven. Well, when debt is forgiven in the tax law, it is generally taxable income. It's as if someone gave you income to pay off your obligation. But the CARES Act was very specific, SBA very specific, not taxable. But this was sold to all of us saying that that $100,000 is going to be deductible to us in 2020 when we pay these expenses. Now, is that the right 
tax answer. And don't shoot the messenger here, folks. No, it's not. Because if you get income, if you get money that's not taxable um, and you spend it on stuff, it probably shouldn't be deductible under the rules of tax law. That That's just the theory. But that's not how this was sold. This was sold that you're going to get this money, the forgiveness is tax-free, and you get to deduct the 100000 in the year that you pay it because you're all cash basis. Well, about a month ago, the IRS came out with uh, Notice 2020-32, which said, a contraire. Uh, what Art just said is what we're going to do, which is it's not right that you get this money, it's tax-free, you don't have to pay taxes on it, but you get to deduct it. That's not right, according to the IRS. Well, that did not make people on Capitol Hill happy, and they literally went back to com- back to the Treasury and said, hey, guys, guess what? You know, this is not good. We don't like this. This is not what was sold. Uh, lots of people were were told that this is the way it was going to be. So you need to fix it. And, and Treasury said, uh, don't tell me what to do. You know, it's like the five-year-old, right? Don't tell me what to do. I'll do what I want. And they've not done anything yet. But we believe that if and when there is a CARES 2.0, there will be. They they have to. I mean, the airline industry, the cruise line industry, all the big industries out there that are literally at zero. They're at zero. I mean, have you been to an airport? I've not been to an airport, but have you been to an airport lately? I mean, I, I saw a picture of, um, uh, you know, uh, Empty Los Angeles International, empty San Diego International Airports. Uh, what do they say? 90 to 95% of the flights are, are are canceled. I mean, nobody's flying. Now it's starting to pick up again. But those companies, you know, th- th- those companies, <laughs> they're going to need money. So there's going to be a 2.0. And we're hoping that they reverse this. But let's think about the the, the problem. And this is a problem for we, the CPAs, because you, our dental clients, you, we are your trusted advisor. The ADCPA are your trusted advisor. And you say, well, Art, you know, it's, it's July now. It's June. It's July. So where am I on my taxes for 20, 2020? And, 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 and I've had that question. And, and my answer is, you're kidding me, right? He says, what do you mean? I said, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what your expenses have been. I mean, we can look. Probably going to look at this later in the year, but here's the problem. Do I calculate your tax liability with this $100,000 as a deduction? And even now, this complicates it even more because in 2021 is when the forgiveness is going to happen. Because remember, your covered period is going to go to somewhere in the neighborhood of the earliest is going to end in October. It could end in November or December. And then you have 10 months to apply for the forgiveness. 10 months, folks. So your forgiveness is going to happen in 2021. So what's going to happen? I'm going to deduct the expenses this year in 2020. Am I going to have to take them back into income when they're forgiven? Uh, Do I not, uh, you know, if I'm allowed to deduct them? I don't know. Right now, you're not allowed to deduct them. So you don't get a deduction for this. So if you're planning on your $100,000, your income just went up $100,000. We hope to know what they're going to do in the next 30, 60, 90 days. And, and, and we're hopeful that they're going to reverse this. But if they don't, you've got a timing problem. Because again, if you pay these expenses this year, they are technically deductible. You took a loan. 
because this is now a loan. It's not going to be forgiven till next year. So does that mean that you're going to take a loan, pay this 100000 when you're in a lower tax bracket because your income is down this year, and then next year have it forgiven? And now you have to basically, since it's been forgiven and they're not deductible, and it's only, you know, the part that's not deductible is what's forgiven, but we don't know what's forgiven till 2021. You can see what my nightmare looks like and that of our friends in the Academy of Dental CPAs. We don't know yet. So we're hoping they're going to reverse this. That would be very, very nice. So what, what questions do we have? So this is an interesting one. So if you have a partnership of corporations, when you applied for your loan, I'm going to use a client example, obviously not going to mention a name. So my client got a loan. I don't know how he did it, but he got $38,000 because the max he was supposed to get as a partner, a corporate prop partner, this is for corporate partners of uh, partnerships. So you have a partnership of three S corporations. So Dr. One's S corporation, the max he should have gotten is basically uh, about 20000 plus some retirement but some of these calculations were strange. So you got 38000 So before this law passed, I said, you know what? You're going to get 15000 maybe a little bit for retirement, maybe a little bit for health insurance, maybe not. And you're either going to have to pay the, the amount back or you're going to have to you know, just give them the money back or pay it back over two years. Or you, know, you probably can't pay a bonus to yourself because you're the only employee of your company. Well, here's a question. Now, it may not make a difference for the 60%, but we are wondering, because under the CARES Act, it's 850 seconds of the $100,000. It's basically the amount based on your covered period. Well, your covered period was eight weeks. That's why in the forgiveness application, they came up with 850 seconds, or that was $15,385 is the number I've been you know chanting all along. Well, now... Now that's different. Now it's not 15385. Is it 2450 seconds, which is about $46,000, which means my guy who got the 38 is going to be able to have the whole whole 38 used as compensation and forgiven? That's something that you are partnerships of uh, uh of S corporations you should be you should be uh definitely looking at. What about retirement? Again, coming back to the, uh, you know, the partnership of corporations. I mean, for the 60%, it's a moot point. How much can we use for retirement if you're not near the 60%? They have not told us that yet. Um, what about the earliest that you can pr- apply for forgiveness? We don't know that yet either. I don't believe. And then what about amendments of promissory notes? We don't we don't know that either uh, as far as whether the banks are going to do them, whether they're going to be required to do them. Uh, we, we just don't know. So the bottom line, folks, is that with the Paycheck Protection Flexibility Act, you're going to be able to spend your money the way you need to spend your money for your business. You're going to be able to bring people back um, with a much longer time frame to do so. Um, I certainly hope that all dental offices will be fully staffed long before December the 31st. I really do. Uh, And and it's looking like uh, most dentists are bringing people back. So uh, that is good news. So I want to spend the last 10 minutes or so 
talking to you about these EIDL loans. And, and we've got questions about them, and I've been posing these questions. Um, not a lot of great information out there about them because they were, uh, you know, they, they have come into great demand here uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic. But again, just to remind you that a um, an EIDL loan is a loan that is made through the SBA. So you applied for that more than likely before you applied for a PPP loan. And you didn't apply with a bank. You applied right through the SBA's website. And the SBA was inundated and their system crashed. And they, they did the best they could with this. I mean, they were... 2,000 people short uh, of, of being able to handle all the, the volume that they got uh, and, you know, 14 million loan requests. It's unbelievable uh, in a period of about a month. And so this loan is, uh, uh, you know, economic disaster relief. That's what it's intended to be. And it is a loan for 30 years at 3.75%. Uh, no prepayment penalties, uh, no fees, which is unusual in an SBA loan, and you don't have to make a payment for a year. So it's a really good deal. And what we're telling people to do is to use this money for working capital, and that's what it's for, working capital after you run out of your PPP money, and even before if it's not for payroll, rent, utilities, and interest. So if you got both of these loans, okay, and you've taken both of these loans, use your PPP money to pay your payroll, to pay your um, rent, and to pay your utilities and pay the interest on uh, mortgage loans on real or personal property that you received on or before February the 15th. Use your EIDL loan for everything else, lab, supplies, uh, office expense, postage, uh, insurance expense, malpractice insurance. These are all legitimate working capital overhead expenses. Do not, I repeat, do not use this money to refinance debt. That is not an allowable use of this money. Do not use this money. Actually, don't use it for repairs. It specifically states in the loan document that you can't use it for repairs. Don't use it for remodeling. Don't use it for purchasing equipment. Um, retooling, building a second location. That is not what this money is for. Don't use it for that. But we have questions that have come up about this. So what I'm telling people is, listen, you got your PPP money, and that might be $50,000, dollars $100,000, $200,000, depending on the size of your practice. And once that's gone, what do we have after that? Well, if we have lines of credit, that's great. If we have savings in the business, that's great. If we have cash value of life insurance or, or other money accessible to us, that's great. Or if our business comes back to where it was, that's great. That's all great. But this idle money is kind of my safety net. It's a hundred at the moment, it's $150,000. And by the way, um, you can't start applying for that. Although I did read in a couple of states, I think South Dakota was one of them, that they have reopened this to the public. You have to check uh, on the SBA's website. But right now, for the majority of you, you cannot apply for this. It's only limited to agricultural and farming businesses. And they're giving out a maximum of $150,000. 
but we had some questions. You need to read these loan documents. And we're, we're looking for some answers. We're trying to get a hold of some folks at the SBA uh, or some guidance or something that we can find. And uh, Megan, who, again, is just like anything that the ADCPA has asked of her or Michael Graham, they have just been uh, bending over backwards to help us and 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 get us the resources or get us to the people that can help us. So we're we're still looking. And to get a hold of people at SBA today is really, really hard. So couple of things I just want you to look at in your loan document for the idle. Number one is collateral. Um, I mean, under the collateral section of the loan, it says many doctors have practice loans. And I mean, it doesn't say, but I'm telling you, many doctors have practice loans. And uh, banks have already taken UCC1 um, security. So they're going to take collateral. And I don't know how that affects uh, your current loan situation. Or what if... When this is all over, you were planning on building a second office or you were planning on expanding your current office or you're going to buy another location. You're going to have to talk to your banker and say, Hey, Mr. or Mrs. Banker, listen, I, I, you know, you know what's going on. I got this PPP loan and I got an idle loan. And how is that going to affect my ability to come to you in six months and, uh, and get a loan or three months? Because I really want to build a second location because I think I've got a, a great area that's being underserved and I really want to get started. So that's one thing that you have to um, uh, you have to check on. The other thing it says is require under the section requirements relative to collateral. It says that the borrower will not sell or transfer any collateral uh, without written permission of the SBA. So for example, um you know, I have a wonderful, wonderful client, not going to tell you where, who is in the process of selling a small portion of his practice to um, his associate. And it's a great practice and two great doctors. And it's, it's, they're just absolutely a, a great match and they all want to do it. But, you know, the senior doctor who's my client came to me and said, Art, you know, I'm real worried. You told me about this. Can I do this? Because it says, that you cannot sell um, any part of your business, sell or transfer any collateral without the written permission of the SBA. Well, so does that mean that if, if you want to bring on a partner and you have this loan, which is a 30-year loan, are you going to have to get the written permission of the SBA? If you are, how long is it going to take? And are they going to give it to you? Or are they going to demand that you pay the loan back? We're looking for these answers. Um you know, pretty reasonable to expect that if you sell your dental practice, that you are going to have to um, pay this loan off and because it's just like any other loan. Um, so he, here's, you know, use of proceeds. Uh, again, you know, we are under the impression and I want to verify this. And once I get this information, I will report it to you on the podcast or on our uh, webinars. By the way, uh, June 19th is our next webinar. That's Friday, June 19th. We're doing them now every other Friday. Uh, I'd Bailey and HMWC, I host them with different guests. We just did, did one on Friday. We'll do one again on June 19th. So please listen in on those and we will update you on all this stuff as we can. Um, you know, again, payroll costs, uh, rent utilities, interest and payroll. After you finish using your PPP money, don't use it for the same things. So if you're using 
you know, PPP money to pay payroll. Don't add in idle money. You're not going to need to do that because you got plenty uh, that's going to, it's going to get spent as we've been talking about pretty quickly. Um, so, you know, here, here's another one that kind of concerns me. And, uh, you know, just, just so you know, uh, requirements for borrowers use of proceeds and records, having itemized receipts for all loan funds spent. What happens, uh, you know, what happens if I take this money and I just put it into my checking account and I commingle it with all my other money and I start paying bills? How do we reference that this money is being spent specifically for working capital? Because maybe as part of my whole checking account, I wrote a check for, um, you know, uh, $25,000 to buy a digital scanner. Well, you can't do that with idle money. So how do we do that? So I'm trying to get that answer. My recommendation is you put this money in a separate account and specifically just pay for working capital out of it so that we can document in case they come to audit you. Um, here's another thing you need to be aware of under books and records. Under books and records, they can require what's called an accountant's review report. Now, I'm not going to spend 10 minutes telling you what that is. All I can tell you is that for all of you who get a financial statement, many of our clients who are listening get a compiled financial statement from us. It's the lowest level of service for cash basis. Um, and you know, it, it, it's no big deal. We take the money that came in, the money that went out, we account for it, we do a balance sheet, and that's it. But a review requires a significant amount of work and is a fee of somewhere between six and $10,000. Now, folks, uh, I am a capitalist like everybody else, and I like to earn accounting fees. But I do not want to do a review for you. That is the last thing I want to do. The SBA could make you do that, and I may have my hands tied, and our firm can do that for you. And this is the most important one that I am looking into, and I think I have the answer, but I'm going to tell you what I know. So basically, I'll just read you the provision. It says limits on distributions of assets. Borrower borrower will not, without the prior written consent of SBA, make any distribution of borrower's assets, which includes your cash and your bank, or give any preferential treatment, make any advance directly or indirectly by way of loan, gift, bonus, or otherwise to any owner or partner of any of the or or any of its employees or to any company directly or indirectly controlling or affiliated with or controlled by borrower or any other company. And again, without prior written consent. So does that mean that if I'm an S corporation and I borrow money from uh, under the idle program, $150,000, I can't take an S-corporation distribution from my practice. Well, that's not reasonable. That doesn't seem to be the intent of the law, but we need to find out. Now, we did receive, Megan did send me, and it was also the same PowerPoint was referenced in a Forbes article, um, a, a PowerPoint presentation from the SBA that said that ineligible uses of idle money include distributions to owners, but then the next words were very important. They said distributions to owners, except if for services rendered, which makes sense. So we're waiting for guidance on that. The the bottom line on the idle loan, folks, is you really need to read your loan document. And if you're going to borrow money in the future, or if you're going to sell your practice or a piece of your practice, you need to be aware of the ramifications of how this works. So 
we've talked about the PPP and the PPFA and uh, the EIDL. I think that's enough alphabet soup for one day. Um, so for the last eight weeks, folks, we've been doing this in real time. Uh, we've been date stamping all of these uh, because this information is so important. And, and again, uh, I know I'm, I'm very proud of the work we've done. I know we've helped a lot of people. I hope we help a lot more. Please tell all of your friends about the podcast and this information. They're all available on our website at www.hmwccpa.com. Um, do, I will also do a shout out for my good friend, the president of our academy, uh, Alan Schiff. I have never met a human being with more passion about dentistry and the accounting profession than Alan. He's an unbelievable guy. Um, Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern time, this Friday, 3 p.m., uh, Alan is hosting a webinar through the American Dental Association. I'm pretty sure that Megan Mortimer and maybe even Michael Graham will be on that webinar talking about exactly what I'm talking about today. So if you want to get a second you know, feel for how this is working, go on to that. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, well, before I get into that, I will share with you that we're going to kind of go back to our regular format starting next week unless there's something major that comes up because they've pretty much done what they're going to do. The only thing that's left is the guidance. And as we go along each week, I will, before we get into our format of each show, um, I will give you whatever guidance that we have and uh, keep you up to date. So please continue to listen to the podcast what I'm going to do in the next several weeks, folks, is I am going to provide you resources for helping your business reopen, helping your business get back to normal, things that you need to see. Some of the most prominent people in dentistry are going to be on this podcast. Uh, we're working on some really cool stuff. Um and we're going to also get back to talking about uh, taxes and finances and, um, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. We're going to be talking about uh, research and development tax credits, which are really exciting. And our merger with Ide Bailey allows us to do some really great things with that. Uh, so we'll be talking about that in the in the coming week. So if you need to get a hold of me in my office in Tustin, California, or at the moment in my office in Laguna Beach, California, which is at home, uh, you can call the office at 714-505-9000. Uh, you can email me at artweederman at gmail.com and I will answer your email. I promise. Uh, it may take uh, a couple of days or a week, but I will get back to you. I, I absolutely promise. Um, Go to our partner, Decisions in Dentistry, www.decisionsindentistry.com if you want a complimentary 30-minute um, consultation with a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs. Uh, we'll get you hooked up with those folks. Uh, if it's in Southern California, north of San Diego, you get to do it with me. So that would be great. Um, and again, look on our website. We've got – go to our website, www.hmwccpa.com. Uh, I have written, I believe I'm up to nine or 10 articles about all of this in the last 10 weeks. Um, all of our webinars are there live on demand, uh, that, that, that we've done. Um, and, uh, the spreadsheet, if you want the PP, if you want a spreadsheet that's going to help you map out your six months, next six months of cash flow, I've got that for you. We'll get that over to you. That's available. Just let me know. 
Um, and if you are not working with a dental-specific CPA, again, I am a broken record. Sorry about that. But I, I believe in this now more than I ever have. We're uh, I told you we're, we're on uh, June 7th, tomorrow night, June 8th, about uh, – uh, these folks from the East Coast are going to do this at nine o'clock. They're going to be up till midnight. We're going to be talking about all this uh, and putting all of our collective 90 of us plus heads together and figuring out what the best way to do this is for all of you. Because uh, we, we are we are the first responders. We are the financial first responders. That's what we are. Uh, my good friend BJ Coucher, when she was on our podcast about a month ago, uh, she made that comment. And she was spot on. And it was it's absolutely right. So if you are looking, if you if you need help with all this and you need help with your cash flow and you need help with your finances and your taxes and how to navigate you're going, through all this, you're going to have to deal with the forgiveness somewhere down the road. What you want to do is go to our website, which is www.adcpa.org and click on find a member and then go to the state uh, that you are at or near and we have got you covered. Well, that's going to about do it for this week, folks. And remember my my motto, failure is not an option. Keep working on your practice. If you haven't hired a dental coach, now would be the time to do so to get all the verbal skills going and making sure that you're at optimum efficiency um, for the coming weeks and months. I am very confident that we're going to come back. I'm very confident about the dental profession. Uh, I'm confident about what the ADA is doing. The government is really starting to recognize the fact that – Dentistry is a necessary, necessary profession, and it is right up there with everything else. And I think that people are starting to realize it. In fact, it's interesting. 10% of the people that came back to work from the jobs report last week, 10% were in the dental profession, almost a quarter of a million people. You tell me that's not significant. That's huge. So that will do it for this episode of The Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. Please be safe. Please keep your family, your patients, your dental team safe. Stay safe yourselves. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.